0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute.
1: After six days of creation, God rested. What does this mean? How do I balance work and rest? In today's continuation on our series of The Spirituality of Work, we look at the importance of rest in the life of the worker. Well, everybody, I'm so glad to be with you all and to have this chance to really go deeper into God's plan for work. And I love doing these talks with you because when I think about it, I realize that for the Catholic person trying to integrate work and faith, the theme of rest is so important and is often overlooked. I think that especially being good Americans and really being part of our culture, a culture of success, a culture of discipline, a culture of industry, a culture of invention and innovation, right? We, we sometimes really place our value of ourselves in how much we can accomplish and in how efficiently we can do it. But we sometimes don't see is that even God rested on the seventh day. I think that that's something to really consider. And I want to ask God just to be with us today as we reflect upon it. Let's, let's go ahead and start with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. John, pray for us in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, it goes without saying that you wouldn't be here today if you weren't people who knew how to be successful. The, The landscape of the American culture is one of industry, and it's one of success. And when you look back over the course of your lives... It's just amazing to take stock of how far you've come, you know? Just like when Israel made it through the desert and began to write its own history, it would look back at the miracles that God himself did for Israel, how good it is for us to take a step back every now and again and just take stock of the fact of, that God has carried us through some pretty uh, deep valleys and over some very high mountains in our lives. Uh, The fact is that the success that we have today that's made us the leaders that we are has come upon the sacrifice of many hours of sleep and of all kinds of choices where we've had to opt for one thing rather than the other. I remember listening to a business coach one time speaking and he said, we have to remember that every time we say yes to something, we say no to something else. And it made a lot of sense, right? Because sometimes we just think, oh no, it's yes, yes, yes. And the more the yeses that I can do, the better off that I am. And it's hard for us to say no. So we just keep saying yes. But this guy's point was well taken. He was saying, even if you always are saying yes, by the fact that you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to the other. And the point that he was trying to make was particularly with respect to our rest or our health that is if the more when you're constantly going and constantly achieving and doing you are saying no to sleep you're saying no to rejuvenation you're saying no to the creative moments that you could have that inspire your work you're saying no to relationships you know and um, sometimes these different no's that we're saying, you know, no to, as a matter of fact, or these various options that are in our life, are actually things that are going to make us successful in the long term. Because we have our eyes on the short term, the eyes on the success of what we need in front of us, we completely forget the point that is that that short-term success and the leader that we are and the people that we are is actually the product of a lot of no's. And then if we don't learn the art of the no, our yeses are also going to, in the end, run dry. I remember one time speaking to a man who had an amazing encounter. He said that he met one of the richest men in the world. He was a multi-billionaire. And it just so happened that this particular individual was out for dinner and in walked this billionaire fellow. And the fellow that I was speaking with, my friend, he said that he'd always wanted to meet uh, this particular person. Because my friend wanted to be a billionaire. And he thought maybe this guy could give him a break. And so in walks this fellow, he sits down at the restaurant. And so my friend saw his opportunity, called the waitress over and said that he was going to buy, that, buy the billionaire's dinner. And so that's just what he did. The billionaire, to thank him, walked over to him and said, well, you know, what can I do for you? And the, and my friend said, I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to talk to you about how I can become a billionaire. And the man said, absolutely, come and see me. So they did he went up to his, you know, his apartment overlooking this wonderful, you know, square in downtown Chicago, and the billionaire said, "What can? What do you mean?" And the guy said, "Give me the secrets to being a billionaire." And the man said, "I'll, I'll tell you the secrets. There are five secrets to becoming a billionaire. I'll tell you the first one." He walked him over to the window, and he said, "Look out this window. You see all those people walking by?" And my friend said, "Yes," and he said, "None of them wants to be a billionaire." And my friend said, why? What do you mean? And he said, here's the first rule. To become a billionaire, you have to be willing to buy the ticket. My friend said, what do you mean? He said, you have to be willing to pay the price in order to get here. And it's not just the price of joy and happiness and struggle and work. You're going to pay the price of a sacrifice in order to make it to this point. And my friend said, you know, he realized that what the billionaire was sharing with him was the truth. The billionaire was on his third marriage. The billionaire had very few friends, you know. And that's not the story for everybody. And there are many wonderful, you know, stories about folks who are very successful who didn't have to do it that way. But the point is well taken. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. And sometimes, what we're saying no to is things we actually we should be saying yes to. How do I tell that difference? <laughs> you know? How does a good folk like someone like you, who's come to this because you're like, I'd like to learn how to do this and keep my soul? You know? How do I gain the world without losing my soul? Wouldn't that be something? You know? Well, there is a way. It's God's way. And God's way requires us to win the world for his sake. And the way we win the world for his sake is by offering our lives for it, out of love. And that offering of our lives for it out of love, that's something that will take much from us, but it will also require from us a lot of prudence. And that prudence means taking care of ourselves. If I don't take care of myself, how can I take care of anyone else? And does God require us, in order to be successful, to make the sacrifices of everything else that's good and holy in our life in order to get that success? And the answer is no. No. And this is the difference between a worldly leadership and the leadership of Christians. The difference is that a leadership of Christian is done out of servitude to one who is higher than him, namely the Lord of hosts. And that servitude to the one that's higher than him requires of him that he love himself
0: and that he keep his priorities straight. We need to talk about how we're gonna do that. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today.
1: Right how many of us then are faced by that question every day we don't you don't get to where you are right now without having learned to discipline yourself and to sacrifice right but at, but at what cost what are the limits to that sacrifice are, are you allowed to sacrifice having another child in order to push your career further Right. This is be honest with you. Right. Because that's a question where it hits. You got one, you got two. That's great. And then you realize if you're going to have your sixth child, that's going to actually cost you something that more. You're going to have to give more time to have number seven and have number four than you might be used to. Yeah, either social economic status. Nobody has that many kids. Right. Or, or if it's not kids, maybe it's your health. Maybe you say, "Look, in order for me to balance everything, to be this super dad, super father, super Catholic leader that I'm supposed to be, well, I'm not able to sleep. The one thing that's going to go is my sleep at night. Am I allowed to do that? Every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. And a good prudent leader realizes that I've got. He's got to make the balance here between what that means." Is it okay to say no? Because every no that I'm saying to something is also a yes to something else. You see, I've got to look at the converse, the flip side of that decision. Well, if I look at John Paul II's work, Laborum Exercens, this is an encyclical letter that he wrote to the world of work. And the, the, the word is Laborum Exercens, meaning by working or through working. It's all about work. At the very end of it, he has a whole section called the spirituality of work. And I want to read this from you because, to you because I think it gives us a lot of light on our present topic. He's talking here in paragraph number 25, and he says this, the word of God's revelation is profoundly marked by the fundamental truth that man created in the image of God shares by his work in the activity of the Creator. And that, within the limits of his own human capabilities, man, in a sense, continues to develop that activity and perfects it as he advances further and further in the discovery of the resources and values contained in the whole of creation. That's amazing. We find this truth in the very beginning of the sacred scripture in the book of Genesis, where the creation itself is presented in the form of a work done by God during six days Resting on the seventh day. Besides, the last book of sacred scriptures echoes the same the same respect for what God has done through the creative work when it proclaims, great and wonderful are your deeds, etc. Now, how amazing that the first point the Pope makes is that when we work, we're actively sharing in the work of God's creation. The act of creating by God, of course, we don't create in our own way, But we develop what he has given and we advance further and further in our discovery of the values that are contained in creation. So, in other words, I'm called by what I'm doing, even if it's an office job. If it's an office job, what am I working on? Well, I'm working, of course, on the product we're trying to create. But I'm also working on the relationships, the methods, the processes. And to understand that, I have to understand the working of the human mind and how human beings organize themselves and how we govern ourselves, how we manage, how we delegate, all of these questions. uh, The the choices that we make in creating a strategy, it's amazing. You know, there's the visionary who's able to see what should be done and has this intuition of what can be done. And there's a strategist who's actually thinking about how we can get it done. And the strategist definitely needs the visionary. And the visionary definitely needs the strategist. And both of them need people who actually can get the work done, period. If you think about those different functions, that's all an exploitation of this wonder that God has given us. This ability for human beings to cooperate. And in that work itself, of course, then you're doing the actual product that you're making. And you think of the work of the artisans and how much they have to understand and know about this world in order to produce the things that they produce. Miners and their study of the earth and the study of geology and the study of the forces at play that are there and the shaping of minerals and the the creation of of new chemical compounds and the the formation of seeds and the storing of the seeds and the work of agriculture. It's amazing when you look at the field of the works that exists in the human endeavor, and to realize that all of those is in a way us glimpsing this world through God's eyes. And us with God becoming responsible for this world and our, world, our work of developing this world to make it capable of being sustained and being carried through and tilling the garden and keeping it, so to speak. You guys are amazing. But just take a stock of each one of you and what you do in your corner of the world. And the the Catholic Church here in the words of the Pope is saying, have dignity in that. Keep your head high. You're not a cog in the wheel. You're not uh, just something, another turn of the machine of the economic forces. You're a human being and your work is profoundly contemplative if you let it be. He keeps on going saying, this description of creation which we find in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis is also, in a sense, the first gospel of work. For it shows that the dignity of work consists of, it teaches that man ought to imitate God, his creator, in working, because man alone has the unique characteristic of likeness to God. Man ought to imitate God both in working and also in resting, since God himself wished to present his own creative activity under the form of work and rest. This activity of God in the world always continues and then he keeps on going. He works with creative power by sustaining in existence the world he called into being and he works with salvific power in the hearts of those whom from the beginning he has destined for rest in union with himself in his father's house. Therefore man's work too not only requires a rest every seventh day but also cannot consist in the mere exercise of human strength and external action It must leave room for man to prepare himself by becoming more and more what in the will of God he ought to be for the rest that the Lord reserves for his servants and his friends. It's amazing that the number of times here that the Pope talks to us about the importance of rest. And yet this is something that's oftentimes overlooked, especially by successful people. How in the world do I make room to rest when there are so many things to do? How do I say no to the many things that I could accomplish in order to say yes to my ability to accomplish them? (laughs) It's not easy. In fact, I think this is one of the secrets and the recipes of success for the successful. It's definitely a recipe of success for us who have faith. But how do we do it? This is really the
0: question. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at SaintJohnInstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Okay, so
1: each one of us is looking at our conscience today, and we're all looking at our hearts, and we're saying, Lord, we want to dare great things for you. How do we get to the top of that mountain? And you, Lord, tell us, well, it's by hard work, it's by discipline, it's by sacrifice, and then it's by obeying my commandment to rest. (laughs) We all kind of chuckle, because we're like, okay, yeah, we'll rest when we have time for it. Maybe this is why the Lord said, no, I'm gonna make time for it. Every seventh day on the Sabbath, you will rest like I did. I just think it's astounding that there be this kind of anthropomorphism in God, right? That God would rest. We'd say this is kind of ridiculous. God never gets tired, right? So God never gets tired. God's able is constantly in action. He never rests. And yet in the scripture, it says that he rests. This is is really a, a bizarre kind of quote, right? It's, of course, the seventh day. Then after God had done all this, God rested from the work that he had done. It's just, it's just crazy to think about that. What does that mean that God rested? And, and, and if, if I'm, then of course it says the same thing, you know, that, uh, that after he, he rested, he commanded that we rest as well. Now, I think that it's obvious here that we're talking about something that is not proper of God. God doesn't, re- he doesn't, he never, God is constantly is in a state of absolute perfection. But the language was used that God rest so as to teach us the value of resting. The value of resting is that God is present even in the resting. And that if our goal is to be with God, which is, of course, I remind you, your goal, (laughs) to be with God even more than accomplishing things. Well, then I have to learn not only to accomplish things with God, but also to rest with God, that he sanctifies human rest. We could say, why is that? Why is it that I ought to be spending one third of my time asleep? (laughs) Maybe It's kind of like saying, why do I have to breathe out? What a strange thing that is. I could think just breathing in, that makes sense. (laughs) But breathing out doesn't make a lot of sense. Why is it that I can't keep my muscles flexed at all times, that I can't sing at a constant pitch? Why is it that there's limits in my life meaning that I can't live with at the constant level? Some of us still think we're 25. We haven't even gotten over the fact that we're not 25 anymore. You know, we're 55, but we think that we're 25. It's a funny kind of thing. We hold ourselves to these same standards. We don't allow ourselves to get older. we don't allow ourselves to. To fade down. We don't allow ourselves to do what we need to do in order to stay fit and to stay ready. Um, But at the same time, we need to. The seventh day, God rested. And the commandment of the church remains that, you know, we need to do the same. We need to have this space in our lives, but how do we do it? Here's our first step to learning how to rest. Accept that you're not God. It really is tricky because none of us want to. We all want deep inside our hearts to be God. And so we just say, okay, God, you know, like I'm ready, you know. But the fact is that we're not. We, we need to be able to accept this. Once I accept that I'm not God, that I'm able to let God be God, that I'm able to take my my spot and say that my my yes to rest, meaning a no to work, might be the key for me keeping the truth about who I am. Deep inside, the thought that I can act constantly without resting is a denial of my human limitations. When I encounter my limitations as a creature, I encounter a spot where religion can grow. I wonder sometimes why people aren't engaged in their religion, why they find the Catholic Church boring, why they're not satisfied, with this incredible place of Catholicism in the world, Christianity, the Bible, why, why is it that we're not satisfied with religion? And I think it's because we don't really allow its soil to grow. One of the places where religion grows is where we say, this is where we accept our limitation. The first step in resting is accepting we're not God and He is. The second step in resting is to recognize that it is a yes to the most important things. Um, I'm thinking of the study of success and successful leaders. And you know when they find the, the leaders of, of our world and of our culture, they're almost always people of inspiration. People whose activity is an overflow of a vision, of a sense of the world that is more than their work, that's actually at the cause and the basis of their work. Right? And so if I can have that, that sense inside of me of, of why I'm doing the work, I, I can work all the better, but that sense of why I'm doing it comes from outside of it. So the value of rest, sometimes great visionaries lose their vision. They lose the eye of the tiger because they're never able to stop what they're doing because of their vision. If I can learn the value that saying a no to my work is actually saying a yes to my inspiration. Well, then I see the, and, and the intrinsic value therein. Third step, third reason is to see the value of filling my rest properly. May, some of us think of rest as a type of vacuum. This is not how God rested. God rested as God. His rest was full it was him contemplating himself. It was him saying to all of us that the work of transforming this world, as noble as it is, is not as full or as important or as meaningful as being in communion with him in the depths of your being. At work, as intense as it is, does not actuate the deepest part of who we are. Only love does. And love grows at its own laws. Love is more intense the higher the thing that we love. It summons more of us the more elevated the relationship that we have. And so we love our spouses, we love our children, and even more, we love our God. And discovering that allows parts of me to be deployed that just are not able to be engaged anywhere else. I learned to rest when I learn to see there's a form of activity in my rest that is more intense and more engaging and more valuable even than my work. And this allows me to say no to my work to say yes to something even more important. I need to fill my, learn how to fill my rest. My, my rest is full of activities that rejuvenate. Prayer, contemplation, connection, learning, um, Activities of gardening, of cleaning, things that allow me to connect with deeper parts of who I am, relationship building, enjoyment, family. My friends, the the fact is we were not made to work. Although work is at the essence of life, work is not the essence of life. The work enables the essence of life, which is something that we enjoy when we turn to that rest. And this is just so important for our lives as leaders That we learn to lead not just in terms of efficiency But in terms of morality Not just in terms of external skill But in terms of internal moral strength And that moral strength is fed and rejuvenated By the glory of resting Resting in God Resting with God And resting for to pick up God's labor with Him to dare great things for Christ coming from a spirit
0: at rest in the Lord. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at That's info at And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.